Welcome to the City Life Podcast. I'm Tim Woody, the pastor of City Life Church in downtown Fort Worth. There is purpose for your life. There's a destiny you have yet to walk into, and there is hope regardless of what you're facing today. I encourage you to open your heart now to what God will be speaking to you over these next few minutes. Appreciate you guys. Hey, uh, also welcome to the online community. Thank you so much for joining us right now. Now, one last thing. You did notice the the Fall Connect Groups flyer that was on your uh, on your seat when you came. That's for you to keep, but also for you to interact with. So so will you please choose a Connect Group that, you're in, that you would like to attend? And the way to do that is on the City Life app. At the very b- bottom, you'll see a little thing that says Groups. You tap that, and you're able to, to register for any of these groups. Now, I have to say we made a mistake in putting this together because inadvertently the names of the leaders were left off. So I want to just give you the names of the leaders real quick. Pull this out so you can take a look at it. First of all, God's Redeeming Love. That is led by my wife, Rebecca Woody, who's back there with the children this morning. Then there's Thrifted, Gifted, Redeemed on the right. That is Denise Jones' group. And then we have Romans with Max Licato. That is Joel and LaVonda Black, who are out of town this week. And then we have Getting to Know the Gospel, which is led by Hunter Pettijohn, who was over here on the drums earlier. Uh, Pastor's Discipleship for Men Running the Race, that's me. And then finally, Women of Faith, Joy Hodgen. So those are the leaders of those groups, which will help you out a little bit in understanding a little more about them. All right, go ahead and get your Bibles open to James chapter number 5. James 5.13, and also uh, look over in 2 Kings 5.1. Two locations. I'm going to start with James 5.13, and then we're going to jump over to 2 Kings 5.1. Very important scriptures for what I'm going to be sharing with you today. So, so uh, I, I, I'm, my goal today is to enhance your faith, to encourage your faith to believe God simply for miracles. I've started a new series called Supernatural, and I'm talking about a lot of the things that, that, we, that we believe in. Sometimes we don't talk about them a lot, but they're very, very relevant, and they're important to our faith. And, uh, and today, the title of my message is Help Me Understand Healing. And it's not just about an intellectual understanding. I'm going to give you plenty of that, but it's about faith building regarding healing. Uh, there, there are, there's, a, there's, there's a lot of confusion out there about healing, and, and I, I hope today and over the next couple of weeks we can, we can tackle this topic and make it a little more understandable, and we can apply it to our lives. Now, first of all, I want to say this. God still heals people, and around here, we believe that if, if, you, if you have an illness or any type of infirmity or, or anything, we pray. Uh, the elders of our church, every Sunday during praise and worship, they're here here in the auditorium ready to pray for you. We believe in that. When special needs come in, we pray. Now take a look at James chapter 5 verse 13 because I want to show you what the Bible says about this. And I've been referring to this throughout this throughout my uh, sermon all morning. Now for here it is James 5 13 says, is anyone among you suffering? Then he must what? Pray. Suffering, you pray. Is anyone cheerful? Sing praises. Is any among you sick? That's what I'm talking about mostly today. Then he must call for the elders of the church. They are to pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will restore the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Now, we believe and practice 
all of this. Now, unfortunately, some people think that sickness comes under the umbrella of suffering because suffering is, is mentioned in here. But James makes a distinction between suffering and sickness. You see, it says when you're suffering, you're supposed to pray. But when you're sick, you're supposed to get a prayer of faith to receive healing. And it's ideal if you go to a church elder who is charged with faith to pray over you and to anoint you with oil and that prayer will restore you. So I want to stimulate your faith today regarding healing. Now, I think it's important right here at the very beginning to clear some things up. And, and so I'm going to do a, a tiny little teaching section on different, different belief systems about healing. Now, these are different stances that people have regarding the topics of miracles. And if you're on the internet very much, you'll find all these. And, and, so, and, and it really gets a lot of people confused. So I just want to go through them very quickly. First one is miracle stance number one, and I call this anti-supernaturalism. Now, this is a philosophy that anything supernatural in the Bible is fabricated. God doesn't do miracles. Everything can easily be explained by natural processes. Now, that is not our stance. Number two is what I call hardcore secessionism. And this is the belief that miracles have ceased in today's world. In fact, people who, who fall into this category, they reject the supernatural for today. They say that God can perform miracles, but he only did it to get the Bible written, and when the canon was closed, the miracles stopped. Now, that is not our stance. Okay, miracle stance number three is this. It is what, what people call, or what I would call, softcore cessationism, and this is the belief also that God can do miracles, but we shouldn't really expect miracles. They mainly occur like in Siberia, or India, or Africa, where the gospel really hasn't reached a lot of people, and God uses miracles to get through to them but once they once God does get through to them then God stops working miracles he points them to the word and the miracle cease now that is not our stance either okay the fourth category is this there are a total of six and is uh, this stance number four is what I call believing continuationism now this is a belief that miracles have continued and and they've continued since the writing of the New Testament and they believe all the right stuff but but unfortunately, they believe it, but they don't practice it. They don't believe it with faith. Miracles don't happen to them or through them. And again, that's not our stance. Now, number five is this. It's called practicing continuationism. Now, this is basically our stance. Uh, we believe that God does do miracles. We expect God to work miracles, and, and we take a step of faith to believe that miracles are going to occur. Now, that's us. I, I like to say that we're simply believers. We're practicing believers. We practice our faith. We practice what's in the Bible. Now, there's a sixth category, uh, and, and I call this abusing continuationism. Now, this is important because this is the category that gives us a bad rap. Uh, these people are, are the ones that say, well, hey, we'll pray for your healing if you give me a certain amount of money. Or they exalt prophecy above the written word of God. They often address the supernatural uh, in their own name, say, I command this, I say this. 
this, I, just, I, I stand on this, but they don't use the name of Jesus, and they set themselves even up to be uh, like almost untouchable superheroes, almost on the level of God. Now again, that is not who we are. What we do is we stick to the word of God. We believe this, just like the scripture says in the book of Hebrews, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He still heals, he still delivers, and he still saves. But there are some people who coddle their sickness. Uh, many Christians get tripped up over a scripture in the Bible about Paul's thorn in the flesh. And, and we don't know exactly what that was. Some people say it was a physical affliction of, of some type. Uh, but, uh, but Paul says this. He says, he, here's what he says. There was given to me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me, to keep me from exalting myself. So a lot of people, again, lean into this saying, well, I have a thorn like Paul. I'm sick, and so I'm just going to have to live with it because it's going to make me more humble. Well, there are a couple of problems with that. First of all, there's nothing in the Bible to support that that says that it was a physical condition that Paul was struggling with. And second, you're not Paul. You're, you're not Paul. Now, now, if you have an anointing like Paul and you have this, this world-shaking ministry, well, maybe, but most likely Paul's thorn in the flesh were, was a persecutor or persecutions that he was enduring. But just for the sake of people who like to say it was a sickness, let's just go ahead and say it was a sickness for a second. And so let's look at Paul's, Paul's thorn. But why are we going to look at the thorn? We're supposed to look at Jesus. See, healing comes from what Jesus did on the cross. It's not about what happened to Paul. Okay, now get 2 Kings chapter 5, verse 1 ready. This is the story of Naaman. And he was a military general in a foreign army, that, uh, and he had leprosy. He had captured this little girl, and he had made her uh, a servant in his home. But she knew about this great healing prophet and speaking prophet by the name of Elisha. So 2 Kings chapter 5, verse 1, let's look at it and read it together. It says, now Naaman, commander of the army of of the king of Aram, that would be the uh, that would be the Arameans. He was a great man in view of his master and eminent because by him the Lord had given victory to Aram. The man was also a, viol- a valiant warrior, but afflicted with leprosy. Now the Arameans had gone out in bands and had taken captive a little girl from the land of Israel, and she waited on Naaman's wife. And she said to her mistress, "If oh, this is good now, if only my master were with the prophet in Samaria, that's the city of Samaria in Israel, then he would cure him of his leprosy. Now hold your place there. Keep in mind, Naaman was a leper. In those days, lepers were removed from the society, but this man was active, and he was fighting, and he was winning. So, and the Bible says that he was a pagan. He wasn't a God worshiper. This pagan was actually being used by God. And he was also an educated, successful man. But, but sometimes, just, just I want to mention this for a little bit here. Sometimes successful, educated people, let's just say that's, that's most Americans. Uh, you compare it with the rest of the world. We're, we're very educated. We sometimes 
adopt our own philosophies. So it's like this. You, you have a physical problem in your body and you don't see healing. So what you do is you create a philosophy. And not a lot of Americans do that. Whereas we're just great philosophers. So we, so we do that. We create our own philosophies. And, and here's an illustration of this. Uh, there was this uh, very educated man years ago who needed healing. He was prayed over. His faith was high, but he wasn't healed. And, and what he said was, well, hey, I'm glad that I have this, e- this, this, this illness because if I didn't have it, I might have committed adultery. So now you can see what he's saying, but there's a little bit of a problem with that uh, because when you first believe for healing and you don't receive it, I mean, you can, again, easily become a philosopher and you develop ideas like this. And, and of course, you can sympathize with the man. It's like, yeah, I get you, bro. I, I see what you're saying. But again, there's a problem when you begin to elevate your sickness to an improper place because it becomes very difficult then to activate your faith against something that you have philosophized that is actually good for you. Now, can God teach you through it? Well, yes. Can God use anything to to, uh, modify your character or to sanctify you or to develop you? Of course God can. But it's very important that we not uh, create our own doctrines out of our philosophies. I, I encourage you to do this. Stick with the word of God above your experiences. See, You don't need to give your sickness a good rap just because you can't get rid of it. You know, why would we do that? I mean, just because you learned something through it, and you maybe have even had a spiritual breakthrough because of it, it doesn't mean that God sent the infirmity your way and that God condones it and God wants it in your life. See, if the sickness is all that wonderful, let me just ask you this question. Why are you taking those supplements? You know, if that sickness is so great, why do you keep going to the doctor? And why do you keep getting medicine? If that sickness is a tool in God's hand, why in the world are you trying to fight it? You see, now you see the false logic in that type of philosophy. In fact, when I was in my 20s, I had pneumonia and it wiped me out for several weeks. I'll tell you, it was horrible. I have terrible memories of going through that. And, 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 and for over a year after I had recovered from it still because of the, the, what was happening in my lungs, I could hardly drive in, in city traffic because exhaust from other vehicles, even when my vehicle was sealed up, it would somehow get in and I would smell it and I would start coughing and my, my lungs would seize up. And, and, but, but I'll tell you what, while I was experiencing that illness and the, it was protracted really over a year, it caused something in me. To, it gave me a great compassion for other people who were sick. I mean, that was something wonderful that happened in me as a result of that. Now, I wasn't glad for my sickness. I didn't say, thank you, God, for this pneumonia. Thank you, Lord, that I can't breathe in this traffic. No, I didn't say, God, this has been such a blessing to me. Lord, pour it out. No, I said, God, heal me. Now, some people teach that sickness is good for you, and you shouldn't bother God with requests for healing. But, but I want you to do something. God's created your body. Do you believe that? All right. And, and so God has set your body up, and I think we can learn some lessons from our own biology. Your body fights against disease. It was created by God to attack sickness and disease. And Also, medicine is a gift from God to defeat sickness. So, 
But a lot of times people come to church and they're just not quite sure if God really wants them to be healed, but your body's fighting against it. What you've done is to be honest with you, you have domesticated your sickness because, oh, well, insurance is covering it. (laughs) See, God has a way of keeping us balanced, but it's not by making us sick. In fact, that's nowhere in the scriptures. I mean, God will give you critics. God will give you persecutions. God will give you hardships. But sickness does not come from God. It's not something God gives you. So what I want you to do today is I want you to let your faith expand and get aggressive against sickness. And a good example of that is your body is naturally aggressive against sickness anyway. But there's also something else. When your immune system isn't fighting something, it's called a compromised immune system. You've probably heard that before. All right. So think about this. As Christians, when we stop fighting the infirmities by faith, I would basically want to call that compromised Christianity. Let's just leave that right there, all right? So again, when it comes to sickness, we do what James told us to do, what we read earlier, so that we can be healed. So I want to give you some principles here. The first principle is this, is that healing comes by faith, and faith comes by hearing. Now, now Naaman, he had faith because of this little girl, and and this little girl talked about a prophet who healed. So the scripture says also that we also all have a measure of faith, but your faith can grow through hearing. So, so Nathan had this young girl that he heard that there was someone who had an opportunity to, that there was an opportunity to heal and, and, and that healing was there. And so his faith actually began to grow. And I hope your faith begins to grow too as you hear God's word. But I know A lot of times we say, but the doctor's report says this. Well, my symptoms say this. Well, I don't think we should cancel out God's word with faithless beliefs. Like the the servant girl was saying, you can be healed if you go to Samaria. Just like I want to say, you can be healed if you'll come up front and ask for prayer. But I know, I know, I know, I know, I know, I get this. It's like, no, I'll be embarrassed, or that's just emotionalism, or what will people think, or I've tried that. But if you humble yourself and accept God's word, your faith is going to increase and will open the door for a miracle. Now, scriptures tell us over and over and over that it is God's will to heal. Here's one instance. It's found in Matthew 8. It's found in Mark 1. It's found in Luke 5. Same story. It's it's when this leper came to Jesus and he said, if you are willing, please make me clean. And Jesus, his response, all, all three of those gospels, he says, well, of course I'm willing. And he said, be healed. Now that settles it. God is willing. God wants to heal you. You don't need to pray this. You don't need to pray, oh God, if it's your will to heal me, would, would you? I mean, that would be nice. No, no. It is his will. So can God heal you? Well, of course. Healing, though, isn't just something that God does. It's part of who he is. It's his identity. He is God, our healer. One of his names is Jehovah Rapha, which means the Lord, our healer. So God is both willing and he is able to heal you. 
And that's good news. And he, he, he doesn't make like, there's not like there's less healing available after he's healed a bunch of other people in front of you. I mean, I'll tell you, he has enough healing power to heal everyone. In fact, he doesn't just want to heal you. He promises to heal you. Psalm 103 says this. It says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and do not forget any of his benefits, who pardons all your iniquities and who heals a few of your... No, 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 no. Okay, wait. I misquoted the scripture. Oh, that's why we put it up there. That's why you have your Bibles. You catch me if I misquote. Now, he heals all your diseases. And the word all, guess what it means? It means... All, Not just your sore toe, though, and not just the sniffles. God heals all of your diseases. Just like it said in the line above that, that God pardons all your iniquities. Iniquities are sin. So we believe that God forgives sin, right? Yeah, he forgives all your sin, of course. But then is God going to heal all my diseases? Well, I don't know about that. (laughs) Well, of course he is. God is willing and God is able to heal. And here's this. He paid for it on the cross. Isaiah chapter 53, verse 4 says this. It says, it was our sickness that he himself bore and our pains he carried. Verse 5 says, and by his wounds we are healed. See, he was beaten and scourged for our sicknesses. He purchased our healing on the cross. So so it's not about begging God or trying to twist God's arm to heal you. It's about something else. It, it, it's, there, there, there's more to this here. So I'm going to keep, keep going. So not only do you get faith by hearing, hearing God's word, but you also release faith by praying and speaking to the infirmity. Very important. That's the next step. That's what we have to, this is where we take action. This is, this is actually where we begin to exercise our authority of children of God. Now, Naaman had received his faith after he heard the little girl saying, you can be cured by the prophet. So Naaman goes to his boss, who was the king of Aram, not Iran, but Aram, and he explains the situation, and, and then the king sends this letter then with Naaman to the king of Israel, which is in Samaria at the time, and, and sends it with Naaman, and we look at this, look in verse 6 now, Second Kings 5, 6, it says, and he brought the letter to the king of Israel, which said, and now as this letter comes to you, behold, I have sent Naaman my servant to you, so that you may cure him of his his leprosy. He sent that to the king, okay? That was what the king of Aram thought. Like, well, I just got to send the letter to the other king and the king will, will heal him. And so he's the king of Israel gets this letter and he freaks out. I mean, he knows he can't heal. In fact, this, the, the scripture says he begins to tear his clothes going, oh no, God, I'm not God. I can't do this. But then again, a lot of us, we do the same thing. Like, I can't heal because I'm not God. Well, I know you're not God. Trust me, I I know that. You know that. But I believe that this is why a lot of people don't receive their healings. But in verse number eight, we see that the prophet heard about Naaman. So the prophet Elisha heard about Naaman and this conversation with the king and the letter. So he sends his messenger uh, to Israel's king, and he says this in verse eight, why did you tear your clothes? Just have him come to me, and he shall learn that there is a prophet in Israel. Okay, hold your place there again. So what is Elisha doing here? 
Elisha is doing what we should do. He's walking in his authority. When you don't walk in your authority, what you're doing is you're, you're talking to God about the issue, and that, that's fine. But when you walk in authority, you talk to the issue about God. It's actually a completely different game. Now, I know this is new to a lot of people, but it is very, very scriptural, and I believe wholeheartedly in praying for the sick. I do. You guys know that. But Jesus didn't pray for the sick. He healed the sick. He didn't say, Father, make this sick man healthy. If it's your will, will you please heal him? No, he just healed the sick. He said to the blind man, be healed. He said to Lazarus, come forth out of the tomb. Now, the disciples also did the same thing. Now, okay, hold it. Some of you might say, well, that was Jesus because he was the son of God and he could do this. Well, the scripture also tells us that he laid down all of his, his uh, power that would have come from him being God because he is God, he laid that power down when he came into this earth. And so it was only through the power of the Holy Spirit that was in him, which is available to all of us. Keep that in mind, all right? That's, and we see that evident because the disciples did the same thing. The disciples, like when they saw the lame man begging for money, what did they do? They looked at him and they said, well, we don't, we don't have any money, but I'll give to you what I have in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Get up and walk. <laughs> and again, now, don't misunderstand. It's not wrong to pray for healing. But, uh, but, but the biblical way is certainly not the way of the king of Israel. Like, oh, I can't do this. I'm not God. No, it's about walking in spiritual authority just like the prophet did. Now, the, the king, he was very aware of what he didn't have. The prophet was aware of what he did have, and I want you to be aware of what you do have, and that is the Spirit of God. But the more you focus on yourself, the more you begin to feel inadequate because you know about your own issues or sicknesses or struggles, and, and, and you know, well, I, I can never really be enough. But if you get your eyes off yourself and fix your eyes on who Jesus is and the Word of God, faith will begin to surge and authority will, will begin to arise in your life. And, but remember, it is all done in the name of Jesus because his name is power. Yeah, here, here's what the scripture says. If you ask anything, if you ask the Father for anything in my name, he will give it to you. John 16, 23. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. John 14. In my name, they will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Mark 16. In the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene walked and he leaped up and stood and began to walk. Now, here in our land, in America, we have something called power of attorney. Most of you understand that. The power of attorney is a legal document that authorizes someone to have the authority to speak on behalf of someone else. Uh, like, should you become incapacitated, someone can speak uh, uh, on your behalf. They can make decisions. And so now, the, the lawyers and the doctors and the judge and everybody has to listen to what you do and to what what you say because what you are saying because you have power of attorney and and the, the 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 key word there is power now so when jesus when he went to heaven he gave us his powerful name essentially he has given us 
power of, attor- of, of attorney because he's not here. And this is all recorded. You can read all about it in John chapter 14 as well as John chapter 16. That's why sickness has to obey. But it's not your power. It is the power of the name of Jesus backed up by the power of the Holy Spirit that lives in you. So when you speak the name of Jesus, the power of God speaks. So basically, you know, it's, it's kind of like this. Small faith chats with God about the situation. But great faith speaks to the situation in the name of Jesus. Now, again, we do believe in praying for one another in the name of Jesus. I believe in anointing with oil. But we also believe that God has given us power that must be released. And it's not about how weak and fragile you are. I've heard that many times. Well, I just can't pray for someone because I, I have my own issues and I'm weak. And I, 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 if, I, if I can master this sickness that I have, well, maybe I could pray for somebody else. No, it's not about how weak you are. You need to get your eyes off yourself and begin to get your eyes on the authority of Jesus Christ. Stay focused on him. And when you do that, that's when the power flows. This actually, as I was preparing this, it actually made me think about the very first healing that's recorded anywhere in the Bible. And it's found in the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter 20. Now I'll tell you, there are some things in the Old Testament that are just flat out weird. Uh, That really is. It's just, I'll say that. I'm a theologian. I'm a pastor. There are some things that just like, okay, this is strange. This is what, Genesis chapter 20 is strange. But there, but everything that's in the Bible is there for a purpose. So why did God want this to be there? Well, as you begin looking in Genesis chapter 20, you see a lot of first time things that are happening for the very first time that continue throughout the whole Bible. Okay, let me tell you the story. Yeah, we're not going to read through it. You, please do that on your own. But, but Abraham was caught in a lie. Okay, this, is, this is part of Abraham's story. He was caught in a lie and he said that Sarah was his sister and he'd already done this a few years earlier. It's like, when are you going to learn from your lies? Dude, quit lying. But he did this. He lied that his wife Sarah was his sister because his faith was weak. He was afraid. And, and so he, his, his, wife, his, his wife went to Abimelech, who was this, this great king in the area. And, uh, and, and God rebuked then Abimelech. God rebuked him and said, hey, you're going to be a dead man because you've got somebody else's wife. And Abimelech told God, hey, hey wait, 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 wait. I didn't know. I mean, Abe, he said that was his sister. And God also says, well... Too bad. Uh, your wives are also, and now why he had all these wives while well, he was a pagan. That's a whole other category. We'll talk about that some other time. It, it's, it's, your wives won't be having any children now, and besides that, you're still going to die. Unless you do something. Oh, what? Okay, do, do what? Do what? Okay, I want you to call Abraham. Yeah, 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 he's the one who lied about the whole thing. But he's also my prophet. Okay, now, this is actually the first place in the Bible that the word prophet is used. And, and it's interesting because when it comes to studying the scriptures, especially in, in the Hebrew and the Old Testament, the first, uh, the first instance of a word sets its meaning for the rest of scriptures. So, so he says, this is my prophet, and this is the first time pro- the word prophet is used. And again, a prophet is one who literally speaks for God. It's the mouthpiece of God. That's what a prophet is. So, and, and again, another thing is what happens in this passage of Scripture, in this chapter, there's, it's the first recorded healing in the Bible. 
So Abraham, he has this very low dose of faith. And, and so you've got this perfect storm happening here. I would not have wanted to be in Abraham's shoes. It would have been crazy. But, but God says, okay, Abimelech, I'll not let you die, and I'll heal the wombs of the, the women in your court, but you need to ask my prophet Abraham to pray for healing, and then everything's going to be fine. Now, <laughs> take this a step further. Abraham had never seen a healing. His wife, his own wife, Sarah, was also barren. And also, the Bible had not even been written yet. He had no guidelines on how any of this stuff works. So, so think about this. Here's Abraham. His wife can't have children. And, but, 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 you know, he's supposed to now go and pray for uh, the prayer of a prophet and to heal these other women and to heal Abimelech as well. Now, now up to this point, God had never even told Abraham that he was a prophet. And Abimelech says, yeah, sure, God, God said you're, you're a prophet. <laughs> I can imagine, like, he's going, who, wait, wait, me, me, who, me? The, the guy who lies, the guy who has weak faith. God, God told you that. Yeah, yeah, he did. Hmm. K. He wouldn't have said, okay, he said a K, you know. Then I guess I'm a prophet. And so what he did is he prayed for Abimelech. He prayed for the women, and everybody was healed. Now, what does this tell me? This tells me that if you're still battling a sickness, you're still battling something in your own life, it doesn't mean that God can't use you to heal someone's sickness. Often, a lot of times, God will stretch your faith and he'll say, I want you to believe for someone else to speak healing over them in my name. But you feel, well, I'm inadequate. I'm not good enough. I've got my own hang-ups, and, and, uh, and I, I'm, I'm no better than anyone else. And you're like, who, me? I'm supposed to do what, 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 what? Here's a, here's a word of revelation to you. It's not about you. And it's not about your issues. It's about your identity in Jesus Christ. Yes, you must be, and you should be growing in godliness. And, 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 but you also need to start letting healing power flow through you, and that's for everyone. I want you to let it flow through faith in who Jesus is, not in who you're not. You have authority in the name of Jesus. You are his legal representative right here on earth, and it is God's will to destroy sickness. You may not feel good today, but so what? You can still be an instrument of God's healing. Let me just be transparent here. I don't feel good today. Why? Well, y'all don't know this, but I have a broken toe. I've had a broken toe for two weeks, and I, I stubbed my toe in the middle of the night by walking in the dark, thinking I knew where I was going, and plowed right into a piece of furniture, and, 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 and it, it hurts. I, I don't feel good today, it, but, but so what? Uh, also, also, you guys don't know this, and I usually don't tell all my stuff, but I have poison ivy all over my leg. Why do I have poison ivy all over my legs? Because I buried my dog this week. I lost one of my pet dogs, and so I'm that going on. I got my poison ivy going on. I got my toe going on. I, I shovel the ground. All of a sudden, I re-break my toe. Ah! It's, yeah, that's how I feel. But I'm not going to let my issues stop me from believing for your miracles, and I don't want you to do that for anyone else. It is the name of Jesus Christ that heals the sick, not my perfection. Also, here's the third point. 
Miracles occur when you don't give up until you get an answer. Naaman said this. He, he, he said, I need to be healed. King said, I can't. The prophet said, well, I can, so come to me. So Naaman goes to the prophet. Well, this is where things do get a little wonky again. So Naaman had obviously been watching all the YouTube videos online about how prophets heal. And, and he just, he'd seen them and go, here's how it works, here's how it happens. And, and he was actually disappointed because it didn't happen the way he expected it. He, he'd been, you know, he was out there riding out there to, to Elisha's house looking on his Android. Okay, here's how it works. I've seen this video and this video and this video. Take a look in verse 9. Take a look at it. I know he didn't have an Android, he didn't have a video, but it sure does make it a little more, gives us a better picture of it, because that's what we do. All right, so Naaman, or an iPhone. So Naaman came with his horses and his chariots and stood at the doorway of Elisha's house. This is the big moment. Naaman's ready to go. And Elisha sent a messenger to him saying, go and wash in the Jordan seven times and your flesh will be restored to you and you'll be clean. But Naaman was furious, and he went away, and he said, Behold, I thought he would certainly come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand over the sight and cure the leprosy. So what he expected was Elisha to come out in this beautiful white flowing robe, probably with a blue sash. I mean, that's, that's, the, that's the way the prophets look. And he was going to wave his hand and the leprosy was going to disappear because he'd seen that's how it works. But Elisha didn't even come out. He sent his intern to Naaman and told him what to do. So the cowboy came out there and said, well, about 15 miles yonder is the, the Jordan River. And now it's murky and it's muddy right now. And it's just the way it is all the time. But you're going to need to get in it. That's what the prophet said. And get in it. And you're going to need to submerge your whole body. Your whole body. Submerge it in the mud and the murk. And, and then, then get out and do that, that seven times. Submerge yourself seven times and you're going to be healed. Hey, later, dude back in the house. So Naaman is standing there or sitting on his horse or whatever and he's going, huh? He didn't expect that to happen. But what was happening, it was a test of Naaman's faith. So he had to ask himself, well, do I still want to get healed or do I want God to do it my way? Well, of course, you read the story. He did obey and he was totally healed. But it's important to understand, sometimes healing happens instantly. I've seen this many, many times. A lot of times healings happen progressively. That's why we pray with faith and we, we pray with faith in the name of Jesus. That's why we anoint with oil. And James 5.15 says, and the Lord will raise him up. Now, that phrase also in a lot of other versions is translated, he will recover. Now, recovering, what the scripture actually says, it, it actually speaks of a process. And maybe you you. Want, want healing, and, and you're hoping that the pastor is going to do something maybe you saw on a video, like he's going to blow on your forehead, and he's going to take his Bible, because the pastor's Bible is much holier than anyone else's Bible, and so he's going to take his Bible, and he's going to tap you on the shoulders and bonk you on the head, I've seen that before too, and then you're going to be healed, that's a really cool way to get healed, I mean, yeah, yeah, or maybe you expect a certain person to pray for you, but they didn't, some intern. Sometimes 
You're expecting this illustrious, long, beautiful prayer that that you want to record and keep it because you're going to get 50 or 60 scriptures in it with references and you can look it all up later, chapter and verse. But but some intern just comes up to you and touches you and says, name of Jesus, be healed. You're like, what? What? Like, come on. Come on. I just gave an offering to this church. I mean, I would at least like to fall down when I get prayed for. I mean, that would make it better. But it's not about that. I want you to be more focused on getting God's healing than seeing God's healing take place the way you think it should by the means and methods that you've conjured up in your mind or you've seen online. And if you don't get healed, I mean, today we're going to pray. But if you don't get healed today, you just keep getting prayed for. Because today can be your day of healing. Now, now I want to be very clear. This is important. I'm not pushing uh, some gospel of health and wealth. I I don't believe in that, but I'm simply declaring what the gospel says. The gospel says Jesus died on the cross for your sins. And Jesus took the punishment and the pain of the cross so you can be healed of your sicknesses and your diseases. I believe in both. I'll tell you guys, since I began working on this sermon, my faith has been stirred up. So I want us to collaborate with Jesus and make this happen for his glory to be manifest in this very room today. So maybe you have one of these two prayers or both of these prayers, and I want you to put those up on the screen. I desire to be healed. Well, if that's the case, I I want you here in just a second. I'm going to ask you to come to the front. Or secondly, I desire to be used to bring healing. Maybe that's your prayer. Maybe it's both. What I'm going to ask you to do here in a second is to come to the front and to receive prayer because I want to pray for you. I want to pray for every single person that walks up here. We have plenty of room for everybody. I do respect privacy, so we're going to go ahead and go offline. But before we go offline, I want to talk to the people who are online right now. And then here in just a minute, at the close, after I'm done praying, I've got a couple more points I want to give to you, and then we'll dismiss. So the prayer time is not the dismissal, because I want to give you just a little bit more. But if you're watching online, I want to thank you, and I want to pray for you right now. I want you to receive this prayer. God, I pray in the name of Jesus, you will stir up their faith to begin to believe, to perform miracles in the name of Jesus. That sickness will be healed in homes and in families and upon people in the name of Jesus. And that, God, you will work through every single believer and that you will be filled with the Holy Spirit so that the, 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 the gifts and the fruit of the Holy Spirit will abound in your life. And also, Lord, I pray for every person who's watching online. I pray that you will send healing in the name of Jesus. Sickness, go in the name of Jesus. Be whole. Be whole in Jesus' name. God bless you. We're going to end our... Thank you for tuning in to the City Life Church podcast. I would love for you to attend one of our worship services right here in downtown Fort Worth. So if you'd like more information, simply go to citylifefw.com. God bless.